Since iTunes only keeps the last 100 episodes of any show, some of our show topics that seem to help the most people are no longer available when people search on iTunes. So, in an effort to make that information available to more people, from time to time we're going to re-air some of our most popular show topics. You can also go to kickitnaturally.com and search for any topic in our search box. For now, enjoy this show that originally aired in 2014. T.C. Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe and I'm here with T.C. Hale, author, natural health expert, producer, blah, blah, blah. Daddy. Daddy. And been gone. Been gone, but Jax is adorable. I just gave him kisses and he's so cute. He is the cutest human. So we, we don't remember... How to do this show. Yeah, but I didn't know ever in the beginning either. Oh. Like we had done so many, so hundred something, but I never knew. Okay, know? so it'll be the same thing. And even Will is here with us. Hey, hottie patati Will Schmidt. What's going Howdy on? Beauty. How you guys doing? Good. Awesome Will yeah. is coming from you live in the Bay Area. Oh, you yeah. Gotta, you got to represent North Cal. Yeah, North Cal. baby. Is it raining up there too? It's sprinkling. It was raining overnight. And it's just, I like the overcast. Me too. I like it. So you guys might not know, because we're deceiving, we're tricky, we're in camouflage, but we have been gone for two and a half months, probably, oh my gosh, something like that. wow. We yeah. just did a whole bunch of shows ahead of time so that uh, I could disappear and go make another human being. So another human being? No, just oh. this one human being. Okay, this I was like, other, what's going on? No, wow. no, no, he is on the fast down. track to no, a definitely whole brood. Not. Yeah. So we had a... Baby. Uh-huh. And he's and he's small. He's, he's so just like a person, cute. but he's smaller. Oh my gosh, he's adorable. Yeah. So now we're back and we're gonna do this show, but we don't really remember how to do the show. But you know so, what? It's kinda coming back a little bit. If you haven't liked us on Facebook, go to Kick It in the Nuts. That's where we post all the show topics that we'll be doing in future shows. And you guys can ask any questions or any topic you want us to cover because this is our hundred and twenty second show. So we're running out of ideas. Yeah, so we, we're done after this show, mm-hmm. I think. No, actually we got a bunch of ideas in the last couple months. So we're oh, we're kinda cool. loaded with stuff. Uh we're going to try and catch up with a lot of questions that people have asked. And today's show is, of course, we know you got My one from Rick. My favorite topic. We, well, it'll be, it'll be Kenna's topic. So uh, to help us get back into the, 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 the flow of doing a show. And, and the t- drunken reverie of summer. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all drunk right now. Yes. We're, we're going to do the show on alcohol while we're drunk to fully experience and to uh, get a better understanding of alcohol. Yeah, Nina just left. Yeah, cool. I guess she's, she's going drunk. to get a drink. Yeah, yeah she's, she's going to get a drink. It's her turn to get around. I had thought about having a few before I came in, but then I was like, I did a yoga thing, and that just after that, I was like, hmm, I don't feel the need now. Hmm. Uh, speaking of drinking, are you lactating? Because no, you have I, a big wet spot, right? I ate and brushed my teeth before I came, and I got a big old thing of toothpaste. I'm still in my sweats, but I did take a shower before yoga, and it wasn't that intense, okay. so I don't smell. Fantastic. So today's topic is one we got from Rick, from the group, oh, because Rick. he comes up with a lot of great ideas. And when he sent this idea in, he also sent in about 17,000 questions about alcohol. Which I don't have in front of me. Um, yeah, boy. 
Okay, so with with all of Rick's questions that he sent in, that Kenna now has in front of her because I went and found them, uh, I just scattered his questions throughout everybody else's questions so it wouldn't be... Because this thing's long. I think this might go to two episodes uh, with this show. So we just put some of Rick's questions throughout there. But this is going to be a great topic that Kenna will be able to teach us a lot about. (laughs) Yeah, baby. I bet if you checked my blood alcohol level right now, I'd still be drunk from Sunday. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Um, Okay. So we're going to just dive right on in. I guess we're going to do a show. Will, do you have any uh, objections to doing a show? No, proceed. Okay, proceed. All right, here we go. Rick from the group. Show topic, alcohol. Please cover alcohol and what it does in and to the body and why we might want to avoid it. Note that I said might. Good one, Rick. Good one, Rick. Good to put that disclaimer in there. So that's what we're going to kind of do. And, and, you know, we really want to talk about all the pros and cons of alcohol, and if you're excited to hear about all the benefits yeah, of let's alcohol, start with the pros for all this yeah, episodes. just so that you know, if you're excited about that, you missed that part. We already uh, covered that. I, I know we haven't started yet, but we have covered all of you the mean benefits not of one alcohol. Pro of alcohol? <laughs> no, we're gonna fly, we'll, we'll 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 make up something, and it's gonna work out. Well, how about forgetting all your problems? Right. See, that can be one of them. So we are gonna talk about some possible benefits and some possible reasons to go ahead and have a drink from time to time. All those things. We'll get to that, but as far as true health benefits that people like to make up and market, we kind of covered them all already. So like getting drunk, running around naked isn't... That's not a benefit? I mean, you're running. Well, there's benefits to naked, too. That's true. (laughs) I just made a whole person who's really cute from those benefits. Okay, so let's go to Rick's first question, though. All right, Rick, how does it affect the liver? Rick, it affects the liver, by overwhelming it. Yeah, so... Ba- you should try to d- tone, dumb it down a little for the people, Tony. Oh. <laughs> Make it dumber than it affects the liver? I don't know if you could get dumber than what you just said, but okay. <laughs> like, I could try. I, I'm yeah. drunk, so I could certainly... Go, go. I could slur it more or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what happens is uh, alcohol, especially the ethanol that's in alcohol, which is what causes a lot of the effects of alcohol is processed in the liver, uh, a lot like uh, fructose is. And and that can be beneficial in a lot of ways, especially when we look at fructose. But the liver only has the ability to process so much stuff. So uh, beyond that, it starts to beat up the liver a little bit. And that's why you hear so many uh, alcohol-induced liver disease kind of, you know, topics that people cover. And, and oh, he drank until his liver was dead. And, and that's kind of why it, it's not only that, um, you know, the liver's job is to filter out anything that is synthetic or toxic or overwhelming to the body. Um, but uh, because of the type of uh, sugars that make up some portions of alcohol, that ethanol gets processed right in the liver. So that's another job for the liver that has to do. So people usually don't drink a small amount. They usually they're, they're like upside down on a keg. I don't think I've ever drank just one drink. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard, heard of people doing that, but it just doesn't happen. So, Will, why don't we talk a little bit about um, how those types of sugars or alcohol would process through the liver and, uh, you know, what kind of problems that could cause if there was an excess amount, more than what the liver could handle at that time. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting when you look at um, ethanol in context of, of of carbohydrates and, as you just mentioned, sugars and it's sort of similarity of, like, what problems can come from 
consuming uh, any macromolecule that in excess of what you can process. So like even like a perfectly awesome healthy protein, like a collagen protein or egg protein, it can be problematic if you're having trouble processing it. So when we look at ethanol as a, uh, a molecule that your liver has to process, the real problem comes from things that can get in the way of your liver's capacity to process that, and what I mean by process, by break down that molecule into, into other products of chemical reactions. So when we see, for example, sugar in the context of like a muscle cell or um, any, any tissue cell that is trying to metabolize glucose, a lot of the times the problem doesn't come from the sugar. It comes from an inability of the, uh, of the person's cells to be able to use that sugar. And so when we see, like, if you look at some of our, uh, the writings of Ray Pete, one of our favorite nutritionists, is cirrhosis of the liver does not occur in an individual who does not have unsaturated fats in their diet. So they, they find, like, it's the unsaturated or polyunsaturated fats that impair the liver's ability to process alcohol, and that causes cirrhosis. Alcohol, Say that again. All I need is saturated fats. In the body. Saturated fats protect the liver from cirrhosis. uh, Cirrhosis of the liver does not occur from alcohol alone. It comes from a combination of polyunsaturated fats and alcohol. And it's because the polyunsaturated fats are interfering with the liver's capacity to process the alcohol. Just like in a diabetic cells when they're not able to process glucose, all this glucose builds up because they're not able to metabolize it. And things that get in the way of the processing of glucose are the real problem. Even if they cut out glucose, their body makes more and more glucose because the cells need that. Your cells don't need ethanol in the same way that they need glucose. But the issue is still the same of the capacity of the cell or the organ to process that molecule is what makes the difference between it being damaging or not. Yeah, and a liver can, uh, you know, it can store... Uh, fuel in the form of glycogen as well in this in this processing uh, situation, and it can also store some of glycogen in the tissues. But just like with uh, carbs coming in or fructose coming in, uh, ethanol coming in, if it's more than it can process, now it's going to it's going to become a problem. So not only do you have to look at the person's capacity to process that, like Will was just saying, but even if a person has the ability uh, to process ethanol in a in a in an effective manner, when you dump a keg of ethanol in there, it, yeah. it, no liver is going to be able to process that. That doesn't mean that you're in- instantly going to create cirrhosis of the liver or right. some type of liver fatty liver disease. These things happen over time. You, you yeah. can't look at a bottle of beer and be like, this is the beer that gave me cirrhosis. That's that's not how it works. Yeah, because I mean, alcohol, we're not just talking about liver cirrhosis when we're talking about the effects of alcohol, but the uh, as you just said, it's a cumulative impact of alcohol that's poorly processed over time by the liver that causes cirrhosis. But the other effects, like you could still totally kill yourself tonight with alcohol if you wanted to, if you, if you drank enough, but it wouldn't be from liver cirrhosis. It would be from blood alcohol levels being mm-hmm. too high and that interfering with your brain oxygen levels. And Right. Actually, uh, we're gonna, we, Rick asked about some brain stuff, so we'll come back to that too and let's, and let's dig deeper into that because – uh, people die from drinking too much in in one 
night, you yeah, know, type of sitting. situation. So there's reasons that that happens that we should cover a little bit. But one interesting thing about uh, uh, the liver that uh, I had never gone into before was that the, the alcohol-damaged liver cells can allow excess ammonia to get into the brain. So even when you're just causing liver damage, like a lot of people think, um, you can actually be causing problems to the brain just uh, just from the liver's inability to do its job. Um, not only does filth accumulate when a liver is basically beaten to death, but uh, other things like ammonia, which exist in the body, can become to a toxic level, and even toxic level in the brain, which can uh, cause this hepatic encephalopathy mm-hmm. kind of thing, where, where people, not only do they have sleep patterns that are jacked up and their mood is gone and uh, psychiatric conditions, you know, anxiety, depression, but they can become uh, like severe cognitive problems where a person not only can have memory loss, but they, they can be confused like in a room. Like, how do I exit this room? Can yeah. you irreverse? Can you reverse this stuff? Can you? You know, with most things with a liver, like there are organs, like, you know, some people say that when you jack up a thyroid, sometimes that has a whole lot of harder of a time coming back. But a liver can, can regenerate in, in a lot of ways if there's a lot of circumstances going right. You can't just decide to, you know, to heal your liver and everything's going to be fixed. But, you know, we've heard from people that have improved uh, liver disease issues just by removing what's causing the problem would be one thing. But then also putting the body in a position where it has the ability to rebuild, not only the rebuilding state, but also the tools to rebuild, whether that means resources, vitamins. Is there other things that could block a liver from being able to... um, you know, look at all. The, what are the, some of the other things that you could be doing that could screw up the liver's ability to regenerate correctly? Sure. Um, I mean, the, everything that your body needs to for the cells to have the energy that they need to do, uh, the, the energy that they need to perform the functions that they need to do, including regenerate themselves as well as just perform regular metabolic uh, processes. One thing that's really interesting to look at again is um, how your body can resort to making alcohol itself when cellular energy production processes are impaired. And we can see this in, and this is, this ties into answering your question about what could get in the way of the liver regenerating itself, um, is anything that's blocking cellular energy production. So when there's things that are damaging the mitochondria of the cells, they're not able to use they're not able to perform the regular cellular energy production cycle which which is called cellular respiration so when we eat something like a carbohydrate it breaks it down into a glucose molecule that then gets broken down into this other substrate where you split a glucose in half and it becomes pyruvate and then from there we're supposed to use oxygen to turn it and to enter the cellular the krebs cycle and the cellular respiration process but if there's something getting in the way of our use of oxygen, like elevated estrogen, elevated cortisol, elevated tryptophan, polyunsaturated fats, lack of thyroid hormone, overly alkaline bloodstream, overly alkaline bloodstream, yeah, any of those things that we talked about in our in that episode we had about say the respiration, where we, uh, that other episode where we had Benedict Lerica on, where we talked about thyroid function, any of those things that block. This next step where we've got that glucose broken down in pyruvate, it's about to get oxidized and create all this energy for us. But if there's something getting in the way of that step, 
it instead can get fermented and it can turn into lactic acid and uh, byproducts of elevated ammonia. And it can also, if there's other agents in there, it can, it can get fermented. If there's bacteria or yeast in our intestinal tract, it can get fermented actually into ethanol. So sometimes you'll see blood alcohol levels of diabetics be high, and almost always you'll see extremely high ammonia levels, as you were just talking about, Tony. Like Those ammonia levels will build because that fermentation process is occurring. Okay, so bef- before we get too far from that, um, which will be easy for us to get far from that. I think um, we already Yeah, but <laughs> keep in mind what Will just talked about, those ways that a person could be creating more ethanol on their own. So we're going to come back to that when we talk about, uh, you know, uh, the alcohol's effects on one person as opposed to another. Do you hear that noise? Is it Will, like, banging around or? Remember that you're drunk, so it could just be that. I was going to ask about that, about diabetics, because I have heard diabetics haven't drank at all, but that they have blood alcohol level because their body's making it and stuff. Yeah, well, we... Yeah, it's it's kind of a two-step thing. Like we when we ferment stuff, it's through a process. Yeah, that's Will's mic. He's like kicking his mic or something, and then he makes well, a noise, and then everybody was like, "Is there a monster in the room?" You guys just I don't know. You told me I had to be close to the mic, so I'm trying to like keep down. But but um, we when we ferment stuff, like when our cells fail to perform cellular respiration, we make more lactic acid. But when we have certain like yeast populations in our gut. They, if, if things aren't moving through our gut in a timely manner, they will ferment things in a different way that creates ethanol. So that's possible. You can have that from like a flora imbalance or if things aren't moving through your digestive system. Those yeast ferment things in a different way than our cells do, um, but they, they, they can be inside us creating ethanol. So that's kind of a way to have a free bar inside your Ooh. body. It's like free. Yeah. It's cheap. Yeah. It's just right. to have a lot of havoc going uh-huh. on and then you'll just be exactly. drunk all the time. I'm not getting rid of this stomach virus. I'm just going <laughs> to If you're a health, fitness, or nutrition professional, check out our other podcast, Six Figure Health Pro. We dig into the latest marketing techniques and business growing strategies for health professionals. To learn how to take your business to the next level, search for Six Figure Health Pro on iTunes or Stitcher, or go to sixfigurehealthpro.com to learn more. Now do what you're told. All right, okay. let's let's go on to the next question to since Lara. we just spent 20 minutes to cover one. Laura from Los Angeles, is there a type of alcohol that is less bad for you? Don't you want there to be... Yes, like that? vodka. You know, in Weight Watchers, they were always say, drink vodka or a hard liquor, a white liquor, you know, and, and so you did, and it was only a couple points. Right, yeah. good. So let's just go by the points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think we have to look at this from two different aspects. I think we have to look at, look at this one way from uh, a weight loss aspect, since so many of our listeners come to us from the fat loss book and they want to know how to lose weight. And then the other aspect we have to look at it is just if you're not concerned about that. So the first one with a, with a, from the weight loss aspect, there are a lot of different alcohols that could have other possible benefits uh, over other choices, you know, like a white alcohol, like maybe it just has uh, less fuel in it, so to speak. Well, they um, say a glass or two of wine a night. You know, you hear studies about that. that yeah, say we're that's gonna, good. We're going to talk about that too. Right? So, so maybe people say that's beneficial, but or maybe people say uh, that if gluten is a problem from you, then certainly drinking some type of alcohol that did not contain all those gluten cofactors would be more beneficial for that person. But you still have to look at the actual alcohol, and the actual alcohol 
is what creates a lot of the problems. So you can't view it as less bad is still going to bring you beneficial results, especially if you're looking at weight loss. Uh, one of Rick's questions was how does alcohol affect insulin levels? So why don't we cover that while we're talking about the weight loss effects of any type of alcohol? Um, and then we'll talk about other good or bad alcohols too. Yeah, I mean, so like you like you said, Tony, there's a lot of people that come to this uh, conversation with the goal of like, ah, oh, what's going to make me the less, least fat when I go out to drink, <laughs> you know? And just like with when we talk about carbohydrates in general, a lot of the alcohols that people will drink have sugar along with them. And sugar, you know, it's a different molecule. It's a, it's a different thing the body has to process. But some people are really, really not good at processing those sugars and to get them in a concentrated liquid form like in a margarita or even in beer, you know, those higher amounts of that. And um, so those sugars are just like any other sugar that you're drinking that you should be kind of conscious of if you're trying to, you know, watch your your active carb count. The other issue is the different kinds of um, ferments that can be present in things that like tequila, like the processing for that. Like there's all these other exotoxins in there that actually make tequila one of the only stimulatory alcohols like it stimulates your nervous system there's so many different toxins in it that like freaks your body out into an excited state it's cut kind of, you know it's like um i don't know the equivalent but like if you were to take like mushrooms like psychedelic mushrooms like your nervous system can get kind of freaked out because it, it senses this invader and there's that kind of like odd exotoxic uh, impact on your nervous system that can also be present in certain alcohols that can kind of screw you up and on the flip side, <clears throat> some alcohols were originally created as medicines, like Swedish bitter herbs. Those are an alcohol, and they have some very beneficial uh, impact on like cleansing out the intestinal tract and killing off pathogenic bacteria from all the herbs that have been extracted in the alcohol. So you can look at your beverage of choice as like, ah, oh, what if you're gonna drink? What can you do to like have it be? the least bad and also possibly have some benefits. So when I have alcohol, I'll usually choose one of the herbal liqueurs that has some sort of beneficial impact on my in, on my flora and my digestive system and that is lower in like weird processed sugars and weird ferments. Yeah, and a lot of people will find that, okay, I, I was drinking Jack and Coke, but maybe if I drink something else with just maybe carbonated water with a lime in it, then maybe that can be a little more beneficial as far as when I'm looking at the type sugar of insulin and spike that, and yeah. sugar content that I'm that I'm sucking down. So you can view it that way when it comes time for you to drink. You just don't want to, uh, and I see people do this so often, is that, oh, well, I heard red wine is heart healthy, so I'll have that instead while I'm on this diet trying to lose weight. And you just have to be honest with yourself. It's, it, it, it's, it's not going to happen because of, uh, we know that liquid sugars affect insulin levels much harder than a, a candy bar might. But the other thing to view is that alcohol inhibits uh, our inhibitory mechanism. I like, like to have a candy bar with alcohol. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. that's usually what happens. I don't know if Ken has ever s experienced or seen anybody like this, but I've heard of people drinking and then they might eat things that were not the best for them really? during that time. Isn't that, that weird? That happens? Yeah. That's, a wow. that's a myth, Tony. I, I know it's a, it's a, it's an <laughs> urban legend, but no, but when you drink, it's like you wake up and you're like, oh, well I ate a whole tube of cookie dough. 
Oh, and now I see that I didn't just eat it. I scooped it into a box of taco shells, and I was having cookie dough tacos at 3.30 in the morning. So are you trying to pin alcohol as a gateway food? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so just, and I'm just talking about just in the regards to weight loss. Um, I, I think that if we're going to pull a benefit of alcohol out of our back end, um, if we're going to make one up, it's really that uh, it can be fun, it can make you feel good, it can be social. All those things, I think, have benefits in life. So if uh, you want those benefits, then you go more ahead and you... Than. Yeah, yeah, well, more than. Yeah, more... I've got a real one, though. Oh, okay, I mean, well, hold that's... on. Well, let me finish this thought first. Yeah, sorry. You know, just be honest about... And informed about what you're doing. Don't look at red wine like it's a heart healthy thing. Like you are yeah. benefiting yourself by moderation. drinking that. Look at look at the red wine as oh, I'm enjoying myself with my friends, and there are benefits to that because you know stress is a super big deal. It's a really harmful thing. Um, so if you do something that reduces stress, it, it can be beneficial. Um, but there are other ways to reduce stress than dumping a bunch of sugar in your system. So I, I think that if you look at it that way, then you can find places in your life that alcohol could actually be beneficial or enjoyable and things that are enjoyable can be beneficial. You just have to understand uh, the other side of it so that you don't try to, uh, what's it called? Rationalize. Rationalize what you're doing into thinking, oh, well, I'm benefiting Favorite myself. Word. Right, right. Yeah, it, it, that's Kenna's bumper sticker. Yeah. Just as rationalized. <laughs> rationalized. <laughs> okay, so Will, let's come up with your other benefit. Yeah, that was a real it. one though, Tony, and it's related to what I'm, what mine was. Okay. Um, I've mentioned before, multiple episodes that I used to have this really intense circulation pain, like my in all of my extremities or my hands and feet and legs. And when you got and eventually drunk, you even couldn't my feel torso it. Was like constantly contracting and burning and tingling. And it, doctors weren't sure what it was. They thought it was maybe MS. And I had these nerve tests done and spinal like MRIs and blood tests and everything looked normal. So it was just getting worse and worse. To like, It was a 24-hour-a-day problem that was driving me insane. And then I, uh, I was working in India, and I had this one vacation where I went to Thailand for like three weeks. And when I was there, I was like, I didn't have a gym, so I wasn't taking like my normal amount of like stimulants for working out. And instead, I was like going out and drinking like Sambuca, maybe every night. And I noticed that <laughs> I noticed that within like a day, my pain was gone. It was completely gone. And, like, you, and you were drunk. So <laughs> yeah, it was drunk. But, but then even in the morning, like the next day, I would wake up. I was like so relaxed, and like for the first time in years. My hands and feet and legs didn't hurt or cramp. They just felt warm and good and relaxed. And it was like an all-day thing. It wasn't, it wasn't just while I was drunk. It was like it had shifted something. And then when I got back to my normal routine, the pain came back when I was drinking caffeine and working out again. And, and not just caffeine, but other things that like pre-workout stimulants that had a lot of nitric oxide inducers. But what I learned from – I posed that – that um, experience to a, uh, a natural physician in Arizona once, and he was like, "Huh? Well, alcohol is a vasodilator, and these pre-workouts are vasoconstrictors. So those constrict your blood flow uh, to your extremity uh, and prevent it from reaching your extremities. But alcohol does the opposite; it opens up your circulatory system." 
And so I realized like that for me, because I had pushed my body so far into like the sympathetic mode, the fight or flight uh, nervous system pattern, that my, it was stuck there. It was stuck in the sympathetic imbalance. And alcohol helped push my nervous system in a fairly powerful way to the other direction and blood flow returned. Yeah, that's so, interesting because while I was looking up stuff for this show, I found a lot of people that were saying how alcohol is very pro-sympathetic. So I wonder if it's a situation where a small amount would push you the other direction, but then if that amount became to an excessive level, all the bad things that can go on from that could create a stress that would push you too sympathetic. Because there are a lot of things like you know, alcohol-induced uh, hypertension and things like yeah. that. And there's yeah. a lot of other things that point to how alcohol is uh, is very pro-sympathetic, but maybe it's just a situation where it's only pro-sympathetic in the excessive amount level kind of state. Yeah, it could be amount. It could be, the again, the individual, how that's like the cause of the individual's hypertension. Sure. Like for me, it wasn't high blood sugar, where maybe for a lot of people... They're already kind of like high blood pressure because of elevated blood sugar. And then you add, you know, alcohol in there and that contributes more to the density of the blood. But for me, the hypertension was coming from direct stimulation of my nervous system through stimulants, not from right, blood workout, workout stimulants. Yeah, exactly. So instead, alcohol had a, had a direct impact on my autonomic nervous system, but it, I didn't necessarily have any issues with blood sugar handling. So. Right, exactly. And yeah. I think a lot of hypertension is like that, but I was looking at things because uh, it was interesting to me that, um, you know, a lot of people that die from alcohol poisoning uh, die from other aspects that we'll talk about in a second, but some actually uh, reduce their gag reflex so much that they regurgitate and, and suffocate mm -hmm. on their own vomit kind of thing. Um, so uh, it got me to thinking that, wow, it turns off the gag reflex so much. Is this a very pro-sympathetic uh, situation? And when I looked up a bunch of studies, I found a bunch that kind of agreed with that. But I wonder, again, uh, that sounds more like something that would be in a severe, you know, we know that we get more sympathetic in an emergency state. And after you suck down a whole keg, your body's in an emergency state. Mm -hmm. It could be that. And the, uh, the lack of gag reflex could also be because of how ethanol interferes with neurotransmitters. It right. could just be not That signal's not making it? Yeah, yeah. It could be directly in inhibiting that signal pathway, um, but not necessarily in everyone exciting a fight-or-flight response. It could, be, it could even impair a fight-or-flight response. Like if you think of like some drunk dude wandering in the woods. Right. And yeah. He sees a bear. And he's, he's like, like hey, hi. buddy. Hi, bear. Hey, buddy. You know, yeah, you're so totally cute. right. That is totally. not a fight or flight. You know? <laughs> right. But what I took away as the benefit that you just said was you should have a couple of drinks before you work out. Mm -hmm. That's the takeaway. That's the takeaway that they can't pull from that. Exactly. So we have it on I don't. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's come back to some of this in a little bit, too, because we have a couple questions that really hit on that. Um, but let's go on to, to next, uh, Rick. next Rick question. Next Rick question. All right, Rick, how and why does it affect the brain? Mm. So I think there's a lot of things to look at with this. Um, and one of the things is, is about the ethanol and its effect on neurotransmitters um, because that's kind of how uh, – let's read his next question too so we can talk about both these things. Okay. What is drunkenness actually caused by and why does it affect some people more than others? So the thing with ethanol is that the molecules are small, so they can uh, get into the actual the brain cells easily and interfere with the neurotransmitters 
that enable the brain to send the signals uh, for activities to happen. And, and one of those uh, is glutamate, that it has the ability to kind of uh, block uh, glutamate's ability to send those signals um, so that everything can function correctly. And, and another thing that it does uh, is it, it can excite GABA, which is that uh, gamma amino butyrate acid thing, Will. And uh, so not only does the blocking of the, glu- the, the glutamate restrict the brain's ability to uh, react to circumstances or stimuli and uh, have those signals travel much slower, but the GABA kind of slows things down even further because it's kind of this relaxing uh, situation. So that's why we get to where we really slur when we talk and uh, we're stumbling and we, you know, it's like the brain is telling the body what to do four or five seconds later. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the ethanol's ability to block what's going on with all of those uh, neurotransmitters. And that's when we were just talking about the alcohol poisoning, you know, that in that excessive drinking episode, it can depress the brain function so much that it doesn't even send the really in crucial body signals like the person pass out and it doesn't send the signal of, oh, you should breathe. Yeah. 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 Our transduction pathways are interfered with and we stop making connections between like, oh, wait, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't talk to that person. Right. Yeah. Or I, I, I can dance really well, I bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. We forget that we can't dance. We forget or we're not good singers. Liquid so that, courage. you know, that can sometimes be fun, but it, it is kind of a problem when it interferes with vital organ and respiratory function. Yeah. So that's kind of what causes the actual drunkenness. But as far as the brain, uh, one thing that can be especially when we look at alcoholics, and it seems that about 80% of alcoholics create a, a thiamine deficiency, which is a, a vitamin B1. And um, it, it appears that this has the ability to damage the cerebellum, which is responsible for coordinating a lot of the movement and even some of our forms uh, and ability to learn things. Um, so in order to understand these effects, sometimes it's good to look at the extreme side. And the extreme side of these uh, thiamine deficiencies is this uh, Wernick-Kursakoff syndrome thing where uh, it kind of has the ability to cause a lot of mental confusion for a person, almost like they're dealing with Alzheimer's kind of thing. And it can cause paralysis in the, the nerves that allow the eyes to move. Um, you know, these are the people that uh, just simple things, like they could be in the studio with us and they wouldn't be able to figure out how to leave. Like they don't understand, they can't figure out that that's the door and that's where I go out. And so when we look at these extreme situations of alcoholics over years, uh, we can think about, okay, what happens just when we're drinking some and uh, what kind of, what would cause the B1 deficiency? And, you know, you hear a lot about different types of alcohols causing destruction to the beneficial bacteria and a lot of those bacteria make a lot of our B vitamins. I wonder if that is something that's having an effect on that. Yeah. And and it can be like the the substrates that our body uses to process different fuels uh, get used up as we process those fuels, which is kind of like um, bring back to like Ray Pete's talking about glucose metabolism. And they were first doing studies on unsaturated fats impacts on metabolism. 
and they found that these rats that weren't fed unsaturated fats had really, really fast metabolisms. So they burned through all the glucose that they were fed and they developed vitamin B deficiencies because they, were, they kept using vitamin B's um, complexes, especially B1, at a faster rate than the other rats that were fed unsaturated fats. Who, and those, those other rats that had the unsaturated fats were getting fatter. They weren't able to process the glucose as quickly, so they get higher cholesterol and other, or, you know, all these other problems that come along with that. Um, but they weren't using up their B vitamins as quickly because their metabolism was slower. That's interesting. So someone who drinks a lot is really turning into basically a sugar burner. Yeah, and you're using up B vitamins in the process, as well as, as other you know, um, cofactors of glycolysis and cellular respiration, including B vitamins and chromium and stuff. That's very interesting. Okay, I think uh, that we... I passed out. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, you were a little bit drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think that we're going to have to do uh, one more question, and then we're going to have to finish up the rest of these questions next week. Do you, <clears throat> do you have anything that you wanted to talk about, Ken? Um, wondering if I have a problem, but uh. the, you know. Oh, okay, cool. It's uh, not a problem if you're still functioning. <laughs> it's fine. <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Anu, Mysore Kamataka, please elaborate on the ill effects of alcohol on the physical and mental health, combined with heavy smoking, of course. Sure. I mean, why wouldn't you smoke it up? Yeah, if you're going to drink, you don't want to smoke. I love how he added, of course. (laughs) Of course, you smoke a lot. (laughs) I I think it goes back to, you know, especially when we talked about um, the effects on the liver that drinking can have. Uh, you know, keep in mind that it's not just those effects that are causing a problem for the liver. It's occupying the liver so that the liver can't do some of the other things that it's supposed to do, like remove toxins and filth. And if a liver is damaged, overwhelmed, beat up, whatever, it's not going to perform as well. It's not going to be able to maybe make cholesterol as well. All those things that we really need to to function, repair, rebuild, um, its ability to remove toxins, those are all become hampered now. So any number of problems can be uh, elevated. And then when you add smoking to that, well, now you stink. So you have all those problems and you stink. Well, yeah. I mean, so yeah, that that's uh, and you're a smoker, and no one wants to date you. Like that, that's the biggest problem. So you you're all drunk and you want to date everyone, but because you're a smoker, no one wants to date you. So yeah. So we're really getting into the science of this. It's the worst. <laughs> it's like Shakespeare talked about alcohol. It strengthens the will, but weakens the flesh. Need to that. But yeah, why <laughs> does alcohol make you want it? Because I can go for months without it. Ha- you know even thinking well, about a cigarette but the night that I like tie one on I'm like smoke them all. I'm asking homeless people you got one on you you know well, I I think it's again because of the um va- va- the vasodilating effects of alcohol it's that and the other part too think remember that alcohol is a diuretic and you know if you listen to our quit smoking episode we talk a lot about how you know to make to help that happen most people need to raise their blood pressure thicken their blood or or uh, dilate their system a little bit so that the blood pressure is a little bit higher just because the system is more constricted. So if you're drinking and you're not only uh, vasoconstricting the system, which is going to lower the blood pressure, you're peeing out minerals, which is going to lower the blood pressure, then that's going to bring on the craving for smoking because that'll turn that around. Okay. Yeah. Um, just go ahead, clear, I, I don't know if you were saying the words 
backwards or not. But yeah, when you drink alcohol, it, it causes vasodilation. So your circulatory system gets more open. So your blood volume has more space to be in, which means there's lower blood pressure. And like as you added, you're peeing out more and more hydration because it's a diuretic. So then smoking helps reverse that by causing vasoconstriction. Constriction. Right. Yeah, so your okay, blood I'm, pressure Did I say goes, that wrong? I had it backwards think, or something? Yeah. Yeah, so either of those things can could cause the problem, minerals going out or the vascular system opening up more. Either of those could cause the problem, but drinking can cause both of those problems. So you have double whammy. Mm. And then smoking can reverse both of those problems, not oh. because smoking is beneficial, because you're, you're const- it's causing a constriction, which for many people is a real problem. What I'm hearing, though, is a cancellation. It's canceling <laughs> out. But, it's a, but yeah, it's a it's cancellation. It's doing it with toxins, though. You're, on it's some, the, on on one level, it's a cancellation effect. So yes, Kenna, but <laughs> you're not lifting your mineral levels. You're 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 using toxins instead of minerals okay. to right. thicken the blood. But the biggest the horrible problem about that is like, so you're balancing out your blood pressure, and so your body's like, okay, cool. I probably won't. I'm not as likely to get a seizure right now. So that's cool. But like alcohol, you know how it makes you like red in the face and that kind of thing. Like uh-huh. that sort of. Flushing occurs when our cells are not able to perform their normal metabolic functions. So blood, like when a like when a muscle fatigues, it gets all like full of blood and inflamed. That's what's happening to like the skin level. Your body's trying the, the blood is not effectively providing energy to the tissues. So that's happening because the alcohol is interfering with all the regular synaptic work and uh, signal transduction pathways that. It's that are supposed to be happening. So your cells are already impaired in their functionality. And then you smoke and every molecule of carbon monoxide that you inhale when you smoke binds with hemoglobin in your blood and makes it less capable of transferring oxygen or circulating carbon dioxide. When carbon, and that's how you die from carbon monoxide poisoning is it inhibits Uh, your hemoglobin in your blood from picking up oxygen or releasing it or circulating CO2 so you can have asphyxiation. So now, like if you've got alcohol and carbon monoxide, you have energy-depleted impaired cells from the alcohol and then blood that can't even give those already depleted cells, they can't even give them oxygen anymore. It's It's a problem. Right, so let's let's pick up on that uh, next week. I want to talk more about the the red blood cells and why we get bloodshot eyes, a lot kind of stuff. Rick has a question about that, so we're gonna have to cover that next week because we talked too much. Do, are we gonna be drunk again next week? Hey, keep, hey, yeah, let's keep the party okay. going. All right, great. If you'd like to learn how to become a health coach or even just dig into more advanced teachings for yourself or your family, go to healthprocourse.com to learn about Tony and Will's course for coaches. Registration for this course only opens to the public for about a week at a time. So be sure to register for the coach newsletter so you'll be notified when the next registration opens. You'll find more info at healthprocourse.com. I forgot to do all this earlier, but hey. But, and I have one little thing else to say, wrapping it up here. Here we go. If you want to learn more about how to look at your own chemistry, you can read any of Tony's books or take the almost free four-week digestion course at kickitnaturally.com. Is that still the same? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Or head on over to Will's page, mybodyofknowledge.net. He's got lots of great exercises on there, pain relief exercises, and lots of great blogs, information, and all that jazz. Cool. So we'll see you next week. I won't remember this because I'm in a blackout, but see you then. (laughs) 